I mentioned before the meditation that I wanted to talk about that the my idea for this talk I thought of it um, the beginning of the week um, a new beginning because it's you know we've been through a whole bunch of time right now that is the ending and beginning it's we have the solstice and then the new year and that's always a time where people reflect on the past and and look um, to the future. Um, we've got the, you know, last week was New Year's, and um, so that that sense of beginning and then, you know, practice is always about beginning, beginning again with each breath. Uh, and so I wanted to talk about that. And then there was Wednesday, um, which uh, was quite. Um, I don't know what the word is. There are many words to describe it. I won't pick one. Uh, but it was distracting. Let's put it that way. I got sucked into the TV and social media for a long time. And I made a post on Facebook and got thrown off of Facebook for the first time because of my post. Um, <laughs> I just, the first thing I thought of was, um, and it's not wise speech. But I said, I don't care. Some of you have heard this. I said, entitled white fucks. That was my post. Um, and Facebook said that wasn't nice. And I said, screw you. And so then they put it back up. Um, uh, yeah, they put it back. <laughs> um, so, but even with that, and I want to, you know, it's really important to, um, and I'll say this, it's really important to me, and I'm committed to this, that what happens in the world and what, what happens in the Dharma room are not separate. It's, it's, they're, they're, they, they're, it's one. It's not, there's not over there and over there. It's all one. And what happens in the world impacts us as we come to the cushion. And what we do on the cushion supports us as we move into the world. So I want to, I just want to say that. Um, so I think, um, and I also want to make space if anybody has anything they want to say, because um, that's also important. And we can take time later if we like to, to make space for people to talk, because it's important to um, uh, connect in these days around the, 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 the craziness um, that's happening right now. That seems that's part and parcel of who this, what this country is, um, but uh, to just um, make space for folks to express any feelings or thoughts or anything they might have. So, um, so I think this idea of uh, a new beginning or, or uh, can be helpful. And what I was thinking of, I was, I was, um, Sometimes we come to practice with the idea that we're going to get bliss. I, I heard that a lot when I was teaching intro to meditation. I'd ask folks why they came to practice and they said, I want to bliss out. I want to I want to get away from what's going on. And um, what I would always say is, I'm really sorry. I've got some bad news for you. Because although there, a lot of times there is calm and there's a way to the, the mind settles and you you can get some ease if you practice long enough. And I think you've all been practicing for a bit. What's inside that's been buried for a long time will come to the surface, will absolutely come to the surface. And the invitation in this practice 
is to be with it. Uh, even in this relaxing instructions I gave for the meditation, it's like you relax the mind so that you can open up to whatever is there, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, the, dis, this, the uncomfortable feelings that we often don't want to experience. Um, and it's really interesting when we have this idea of, of in practice getting to a certain place. If I practice long enough or I do a particular type of practice or if I do a certain retreat or go to enough classes or listen to enough podcasts or Dharma talks, I will get somewhere. And um, a couple of you have heard me talk about this, but I listened to a Dharma talk by a woman named Tinisara. Um, some of you may know her. She's been teaching for many, many, many years, she and her husband, Kitasaro. She's very wise, and she was talking about the idea, she said, religion, organized religion, um, thousands of years ago, many years ago at least, at least a thousand or a couple thousand, separated the idea of, or took the idea of the sacred and the transcendent and moved it over there. Um, a place you needed to get to or something you needed to achieve via some mechanism, either certain behaviors or there were certain intermediaries through whom you had to move in order to get to a place that was going to be um, full of ease, um, full of uh, bliss or heaven or nirvana. Even nirvana is thought of um, incorrectly as a place you get to. And once you get there, you'll be good. And so we have this idea that there we do a certain set of things and we'll get somewhere. So we'll strive and we'll achieve. We see it in the culture we live in. It's not not in the sacred sense, but in you'll get to you'll you'll get the American dream if you only do X, Y, and Z. The problem is you do X, Y, and Z, and the goalpost is always moved. And um, depending on where you come from, it's it's never in sight. So it's it can be incredibly challenging. So um, there's this this sense of uh, striving all the time. And when you're sitting, this uh, this idea of um, the sacred or the transcendent is out there when instead it's actually really quite present and we if we if we make the time and make the effort to be with what is we can get to a place where we let go of the the conditioning the stories the the um the striving the craving the the chasing the idea that it's supposed to look a certain way and and actually turn inwards and find that place of ease that's present right here when we get rid of all the crap that we've carried around with us that we've bought into or not even bought into but um we don't even know we've bought into it because it's it's you know conditioning hundreds of years of conditioning our personal conditioning our societal conditioning everything we don't even know it's there and so if we learn to let go of that striving that re and relax there's the opportunity to tune into this wisdom that's there that's already here um, and so each time we let go it's a chance to begin this uh, this this um, turning inwards this listening to what's right here. And um, I heard in also in this talk, Tanisara was talking about um, having met Ajahn Chah, who was a very wise teacher in the, in the Thai forest tradition. He died um, maybe 30 years ago from Thailand. 
she said he had such a sense of presence. It was like he had arrived. He had arrived. When he was walking, he had arrived. And I was talking, I wasn't talking, I wish I were talking to, I was listening to a talk by Larry Ward the other day, who's a teacher in Thich Nhat Hanh's tradition. And he was talking about Thich Nhat Hanh says we arrive. And so it's not that we're going anywhere. We are here. So we want to tune into where we are. And I, and I love that sense of arriving. And I'm thinking, what would that be like? That when you take a step, you have arrived. And you take another step, you have arrived. You're not going anywhere. You're actually just being where you are. Although your feet are moving, you are being where you are. And so present for what's happening. And you can do it each moment. Come back, come back, come back. So... How that works is a large part of it is letting go, you know, letting go of all those things that were tied into that sense of getting to the sacred. Um, we were talking in a group earlier about spiritual bypass. You know, we think that we, we latch on to these things. Um, oh, I, impermanence, everything's impermanent. And so I will not be impacted by the, the difficulties of the world because, you know, shit happens. And it's like, that's indifference. That's bypassing the really the difficulties that are that or the, the hard work that has to be done to, to strip away this conditioning, strip, chip away at the, the armor around our hearts. Um, so letting go is... Um, a way we start again. When we're caught up in the thinking mind, the story about tomorrow, yesterday, let go, come back, what's here. Let go, come back, what's here. I was uh, listening also to a talk by Donald Rothberg, who taught, was one of the teachers on the retreat I did last month. And he was talking about the, the when we practice, there's three types of practice. There's um, the inner work, the personal practice. We do the inner work of learning our habits of mind, um, our, our habits, our, our patterns, and learning to open our heart. Then he said there's the relational practice that we have, which is how we react to our the folks around us, the people in our lives, our friends, our family. And then there's the collective, how we show up as a citizen of the world and society. And, um, and, I, and I thought that was really interesting. And, and it's true because it's, I don't know if it's one size fits all because we have these different relationships with different people and different groups and, and people close to us, people not far away from us, them. Um, and how do we relate to all of them and, and, and investigating how we move through the world in that way? Um, and then this inner work is, I think, foundational for me. It was foundational because I had to really be willing to um, humanize myself. Um, I had to admit to suffering from the human condition, or I say I was diagnosed with the human condition because I don't know if it was intentional, but I tried to get out of being a human being, I didn't want to feel. I didn't want to have to have those experiences, those internal experiences that were so painful. 
that I didn't know were there, that I was running away from, that deep conditioning that this is good and this is bad and do everything you can to avoid that. And, and if you just do it right, it'll turn out this way. And, and, and it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a losing proposition because it never, we never can manage enough. There's always um, the world that happens. You know, I was, I was laughing. I, was, I wasn't laughing. I was thinking about my, the newsletter. I, I send out a newsletter every month about what I'm doing and schedule and things. And the, I sent one out, um, I think, Monday or Tuesday. And I was think, talking about how people think, um, oh, once we have the election, then everything will be okay. You know, and then, oh, once uh, once the electoral college is sort of, you know, that happens, then we'll be OK. Or once we get a vaccine, then we'll be OK. Or once it's January 1st, then we'll be OK. And once once we win Georgia, then we'll be OK. And then and, you know, oh, once we impeach Trout, Trout, Trump again, then we'll be OK. Once we get to the 20th, then we'll be OK. It's this this once this happens, once this happens, once this happens. And and it's just to let go of that. And to turn into it's uncomfortable right now once we get the job or once we get the relationship or once we get whatever it is, the pink bicycle, whatever it is, then we'll be OK. And to recognize that's not because that's it's unsatisfactory. There's nothing out there. We move it back in here and turn towards this and we have to learn to face our shadows, the difficulties that we've carried with us. And I've talked about, I've talked about finding our edge and, um, and Rothberg in this talk talked about the edge as well. And he had um, some writing. He had a quote from this man, Robert Augustus Masters, who some of you may have heard of. And he wrote about the edge and, and, you know, he talked about the edge and I like this because he really explains what the edge is and it's what we each have to turn to and it's kind of what I was touching on a few weeks ago when I talked about the dark night of the soul and having to touch you know really be willing to be uncomfortable um, the edge is is ex uh, the experiential zone where your deepest most relevant growth happens it's the domain of both trepidation and excitement you ever been in that place where you're really excited to do this work, but, oh, man, ugh, it's like going to therapy. It's like, ugh, I really need to do this. I'm excited, but ugh, it's going to maybe be painful. So it's that kind of trepidation and excitement, a threshold where you turn towards your fears, your pain, your grief, and your failings, everything you've kept in your shadow. Such encounters bring your edge out into the open. Intimacy with our edge is essential if we are to embody who we are. You know, that's my definition of equanimity. It's not my definition, but it's the one I like the best. That deep intimacy with our experience without needing it to be different. So it's this this intimacy with our edge is essential. We have to be go where it's out. You have to go be go where the pain is, where this discomfort is. It's where you're most alive, challenged, and broken open. It might be scary until you learn to live with impermanence. You know, everything changes. We never get to that place and then we're there. 
we arrive in each moment and each moment is a beginning right here that's not the arrival isn't over there it's right here we arrive right here and we're comfortable we live with impermanence knowing that it will change and become comfortable with the change it may not be pleasant nothing is nothing says any of this is pleasant but to be comfortable with it you know if you think you have it figured out it's not your edge if you're not afraid it's not your edge if you're not resistant it's not your edge edge if you coast through it it's not your edge if it doesn't require courage it's not your edge it doesn't mean it's dangerous but there is risk involved it means letting go of what you think you know letting go of what you think might be safe so it requires thinking um yeah no, 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 no. it requires being willing to be uncomfortable and Brene Brown's definition of vulnerability requires vulnerability her definition of vulnerability that I just heard that I loved is willing to be uncomfortable willing to doesn't mean spilling all the all the gory details of your life it means willing to be uncomfortable and can you be uncomfortable that's what your edge is that's your edge it's willing to be there and let go of the framework we're used to this gives us a big a new beginning not just in this moment but how we move through the world if we're willing to touch that edge that discomfort internally then there's a tremendous freedom because we don't have to run or constrict or hide from it we can say this is the way it is what's happening right now like I was saying in the in the in meditation instructions relax the body relax the mind and it allows you to Oh, the awareness to what's it gives you the awareness to what's already here it's really really helpful and so I was saying that as I did this internal work and saw how I was so caught up in this deep conditioning of my own in so many different areas it really shifted my relational practice and how I related to others seeing how I'm reactive as I move through the world you know seeing those patterns of relating to people in my life family members friends people I work with everybody and so it's see I see those moments I see that edge too and so that reactivity that's there it's like oh um, I don't have to react that way I can I can um, if somebody is uh, if I have to say something difficult I can I can experience the emotions that arise because that's not my thing that's not what I want to do is tell you something you don't want to hear it's scary for me to say that but to feel that since I've opened up I'm willing to touch my edge and I'm willing to do it anyway it may take some time but that's how I shift how I relate to other people um, and I don't need it to be different I know don't need it to look a certain way I don't have to have all the right the right stuff and it's really funny I got an email from my old high school this week 
this nice Catholic girls' high school in the Bronx, actually the mother house of the nuns. That's where that's where the email came from. But it was so funny because as I was talking about this, and it said, oh, let me find it here. It's talking about um, many of our wisdom figures have told us that life is all about challenges and how we address them. The twists and turns of life are meant to refocus on what's essential. And this year we're learning what many so-called essentials, that many so-called essentials when removed from us are not all that essential. You know, um, in his essay on contentment, the Roman philosopher Plutarch stated, the foolish overlook and neglect the good in their lives because they're always straining towards the future. The present is here for a moment, then slips away. So this Plutarch, who was, you know, 2,000 years ago, the foolish overlook and neglect the good in their lives because they're always straining towards the future. That is what, you know, the Buddha also talked about 600 or 700 years before Plutarch. It's like we want what's out there, but that's not what's going to give us ease. So you don't, none of you have to behave the way I want you to behave in order for me to be at ease. You're going to do what you're going to do. You're going to live your life. And I'm going to live my life. And I'm going to cultivate the ease um, for me. And so it's recognizing um, those habits and patterns and fixed ideas. There may be, there, you know, a lot of our habits and patterns and fixed ideas, there may be kernels of, of really wise things in there, but when they become reified, rigid, non-changing, that's when they're, um, that's when they're, they're a problem. And the good news is that the brain, they talk about neuroplasticity, but I was listening to a podcast with a neuroscientist last week, and he says he thinks malleable is a better word, whatever, but it, our brains are malleable, and we can shift and move and, and show up in a different way and not be as reactive. Um, I'm less reactive in many, many ways. I'm still reactive in some ways. I was, I was thinking about that this morning. I, I thought of... Um, I thought of a, a, a some family stuff, and there's a person. He's not in my family, but he hurt my sister-in-law very deeply many years ago before she was my sister-in-law, and then he came back into her life last year, and he hurt her again. And um, he friended me on Facebook, and um, and uh, and and he almost he came to a morning meditation, but he came when it was over. And I suggested to my sister-in-law that he um, not come. She tell him to stay away because I was I was thinking about this morning and I was feeling the experiences in my in my body and going, I don't know if I can be civil to him. I have so much emo so much anger in me for the way he's treated her in in 1967. And in 2020 or 2019, I'm like 51 years, 52 years apart. I'm just so angry that um, I would be exactly like I was on my Facebook post the other day. Not wise speech. Out the window. So a lot of times 
I can I can be uh, better and sometimes it's like uh, I just better go away I just better avoid that because there's it's that that stuff in me I don't want to be that although at this point in time I'm actually getting a pleasure out of thinking about what I might say to him so I have to watch that there's a there's a there's a payback so we investigate this invitation is to investigate how we're reacting, what's coming up for us, how we're responding, how we're not responding, how we're engaging in a world in a way that that supports how we want to be, how we've set an intention. And I my intention is about being um, um, kind and, and not causing harm. And I might cause harm if I talk to him that way. But um, uh, what was I thinking about what just popped into my head and popped out again? Um, I don't, oh, I know what it is. I don't need, um, I don't need to tell him. I don't have this um, thought in my head that I need to contact him and give him a piece of my mind in order to feel okay inside. I can have that anger arise. I can see that there's a lot of tension, but I don't need to do anything about it. I can put it aside when it passes because it passes. It comes, I experience it. I investigate it. I say, what's going on? Oh, isn't that interesting? I'm not quite balanced in this realm yet. Let it go and have a new beginning when it's gone. What's right here? Oh, what a beautiful sunrise. You know, what a beautiful, because that actually was happening this morning when the sun was coming up and I was, he popped into my head for some reason. And, and, and it's like, each moment is a beginning. Each moment is, I don't have to carry that baggage. I don't have to carry that baggage. And, um, you know, and then the collective, how do we show up in the world? How do we relate as a member of society? You know, I, I, I was thinking about that as far as the, 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 the shit that went on on Wednesday. And it's like, um, I don't think I have a lot of hate. I don't, I don't have that hate in my heart. I have a lot of frustration and anger, and I found myself yelling at senators and calling them all kinds of names when I was watching the certification on Wednesday night, just really angry at them, but letting it not eat me up, but just having it come and go, but saying, I don't, I don't actually have a lot of anger, but there's, this is a, a, a practice of accountability. And there's some accountability that needs to happen as far as I'm concerned. So um, how do we relate to the world? I mean, I can carry around anger, but it doesn't do anything for me internally. Although I um, understand it and it does hang out sometimes. How do I move through the world that makes the most sense? And can I, if I do find myself carried away and caught up, how do I come back? What was it? I heard Dolly Parton talking the other day, and she's—I didn't hear it. I heard it on a podcast, and she said, "I don't lose my temper; I use my temper," which I thought was really great because you don't let it consume you. You recognize it's there and say, "What's this about? Oh my God! There's tremendous injustice. There's tremendous injustice. I am so pissed off about this." But I'm not going to run around, you know, busting windows. How do I utilize that? How do I let that be a spark to take care of business and do things that need to be done? That's how I show up in the world with um, as, a, as a member of this society. 
seeing things that that are are causing great harm people who are so deluded and so caught up in greed and hatred and fear and are causing tremendous damage that that have to be stopped and held accountable you know um, not that I'm going to fix the world, but what can I do? I also heard another th- another podcast where a woman was saying, "Do what do you know how to do? Do that, you know, and realize this work takes a long time." I, I said this again many times today. Stacey Abrams did this work in Georgia. She didn't just do it starting in you know October. She she's been working for 11 years on this and this work takes a long time john lewis said it's the it's the work not just of a presidential campaign but the work of generations so you know fixing what's wrong um takes a long time and so um it's really important so seeing the big picture but staying present being with what's right here right now so that you have some agency if we don't pay attention we are um, trapped we can be trapped by our conditioning we have those deep emotions those habits those implicit memories that color our world and how we move through it and until we see them and address them and fix them we're going to move through the world perhaps in a way we don't want to move through the world causing harm i know i did that i caused a lot of harm until i saw what was driving my my activities driving my behaviors and so when i can you know pull myself back from that and say oh maybe i can pause and move in a different way you know and be in touch with what's here arrive where i am Oh, I'm right here. Can I can I feel my feet on the floor? Can I ground into this moment? What's right here? So that is a new beginning. We have the ability to have a new beginning every half breath we take. Breathe in. Oh, let go. Breathe out. It's a new beginning. What's right here? Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, okay. You know, two minutes ago, I wanted to punch somebody in the face. Now I realize I'm hungry. Okay. Being with and being willing to let go and release, you know, so relaxing, arriving, and be aware of what's already here. What's awareness receiving? I like that. And trust the unfolding, you know, trust the unfolding, trust awareness, trust it. And that's when you begin to, um, get caught up in your, I mean, seeing connected with your own, um, Rothberg called it your intuition, that inner wisdom. When you clear away the delusion, you can begin to have a sense of, oh no, this is that the, the intellectual idea moves down to the experiential and you move through the world wisely. You know, what's right. You know, what's harmful, you know, what's beneficial. You don't have to think so much. You can just move in that direction. And I've had those moments where you just kind of know your body has has um, developed different ways of experiencing because you're tuned into it and you can trust it. So that is, I think, what the importance is of the new uh, a new beginning is. I think it's incredibly important um, that you stay present, stay where you are. Try arriving. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try arriving. What does it feel like to just 
fully arrive each time you take a step, each time you move. So those are some thoughts I have on, on beginning and the ability to begin each moment. And I would love to have, hear, um, ha hear any questions or thoughts or comments. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.